here we are. So we're going to take a tour of Graceland over the next few weeks. And um, what I want to do is take a close look at a thing called grace, a place of grace. I think grace is kind of a foreign concept in our society in the United States that um, we just have a hard time with it. In fact, complete these phrases for me. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. There's no such thing as a free, free lunch. Yeah, unless you go with me, and then I always try and get the free lunch. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's just a heads up, just in case. No pain, no. God helps those who, which isn't necessarily wrong, but we, in our minds, I think all those are things that we learned growing up. It's part of what I would call the American work ethic. You know, the fact is, it's that kind of ethic that brought this country to the pinnacle of power. There's only one problem. God doesn't operate the same way. The fact is, God operates very differently. He makes, and I think because of that, it makes it really difficult to relate to God somehow, for us to live in this place called Graceland. You know, the, in other words, uh, rather than God being work ethic oriented, God operates in grace. You know, the psalmist says, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Bible says God's gracious. God loves to bless people who don't deserve it. I mean, that's God's nature, and I'm glad for that. I'm glad God blesses people who don't deserve it because, friends, it gives me hope in my life. And today, what I want to do to kind of start us on this tour is I want to define grace because I do not believe you can fully understand the Christian life until you fully understand grace. It's the heart of the Christian life. It's the, the heart of faith. It's the heart of our relationship with God. And so I think it's important we understand what grace is. And there's a difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is when I mess up. I know you find it hard to believe, but when I mess up, God doesn't give me what I deserve, and that is to be punished. That's mercy. Grace is when God gives me what I don't deserve. Even though I've messed up, even though I don't deserve it, God blesses anyway. God gets involved in our lives. And I know many of you would sit here today and go, you know, I understand grace. We're saved by grace. And for many of you, you've known that for years but there's something that I've discovered that many Christians, although we know intellectually, we know we're saved by grace, it doesn't translate into how we live. You know, we don't act like we're living in Graceland. Too many people spend most of their lives thinking and acting as though they're saved by works. 
You know, for, for many, our, our spiritual life becomes this futile attempt, and I do mean futile, to try and be perfect. To, to see God in, in the light, I think most uh, people see God as kind of an unpleasable parent that's up in the sky. He's kind of keeping tabs, you know, marking his grade book, you know, checking in on us. Ooh, that was good. Whoa, bad, 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 bad. I need to make a notation. See clip 10, 12, 08. And we see God kind of keeping these tabs on us. And too many people live their lives trying to earn God's approval. In other words, too many people spend their lives feeling like one day they're in and the next day they're not in. I'm good, I'm not good, and never quite secure in our relationship with God. Does that sound familiar? I mean, I've had people say to me through the years, they'll say things like, you know, I hope I die when I'm on like a spiritual high, when, because I feel really close to God, you know, I feel really clean. And then, and then they'll say something like, but I worry, what if I die right after I've had an evil thought or told a lie or hurt someone. Friends, we're saved by grace. But most people don't live like they're living in Graceland. I mean, I believe when you begin to understand fully what grace is, that living in that Graceland changes everything you find that it brings an incredible amount of joy in life, that it's, it's very freeing. And although maybe you've been a Christian for 20 or 30 or 40 years, for too many, they've been missing the greatest gift, and that's living in grace. And in this series, I have some goals for this series. And that is, not only do I want us to understand grace but I want us to experience it. I want us to feel it, to enjoy it, to live in it. I think that through this series, we're going to find out that when you really live in Graceland, it changes everything in your life. I mean, God's grace eliminates guilt. It helps you start over in life. It lets you start over every day. It gives you the power to deal with the things that you're struggling with. In life, it gives you the power to see things through when when you feel like quitting. It's very liberating. It allows us to break free from this need for perfectionism in our lives. You know, God's grace gives us the strength to face uncertainties, the ability to face our doubts, to overcome our doubts. It allows us to extend grace to others, forgiveness to others that we don't even, we're not even sure we can forgive. And I believe it gives us the ability to reach our full God-given potential to become the people God created us to be. I mean, how, how can we learn to live in Graceland? What I want to do is, is look at five aspects of grace and to make it really easy we're going to use an acrostic, the word grace. You know, I heard about a professor from Yale. He was speaking about what is a Yale student. And so he used the acrostic Yale. And he got up and he spoke. He spoke about why the, the young, being young, 
A, being adventurous, L, being loyal, and E, being enthusiastic. He went on for a half hour on each point. Two hours later, he finished speaking. He talked to the person in the front row. He goes, what did you think of my speech? The kid said, I was thanking God that I didn't go to Massachusetts Institute of Technology. (laughs) You know. I promise I won't take that long today. Romans 3 says, All of us need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift through Jesus Christ. G, God's gift to me. That's what grace is. It's a free gift. And because our culture and our upbringing in the U.S., most people think they're saved by works. You know, that you can earn your way to heaven by being good enough. I mean, God's like keeping score. And the fact is, what we have to do in life is do more good than bad. And somehow, we tip the scales, and then God says, oh, good, you're in now. And in fact, I believe if I went out and just started walking around town and stopping people on the sidewalk and, and just asked them, how do you get to heaven? People would give me a lot of different answers, but most of them would be in the vein of, you got to be a good person. you got to do more good things than bad. Then, then God will say, yay, way to go. You know, come on in. It's all based on works is what I hear most often, not grace. God's word says salvation, absolutely free, free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. It's free, and this is the fundamental difference in Christianity and other religions. Because every other faith system, pick your poison here, I don't care if it's Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Christianity is the only religion that's built on a thing called grace. I mean, God just gives us salvation, gives us grace, you don't do anything to earn it, Every other religion is based on works. In other words, you could summarize other religions with do. There are certain things you are to do. And if you do these things, then you gain bliss, you gain nirvana, you gain heaven, you gain God's approval. It varies from religion to religion, but there is always something to do, a a rule, a ritual, a a regulation, or, or whatever but there's something to do. On the other hand, Christianity, I think, could be summarized in the word done. It's already been done. It was done on the cross. It was done by Jesus when he gave his life up on the cross for your sins and mine. It's already been done. And that's why, you know, many times uh, people go, strange words, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, It's finished. Those were his last words. Jesus didn't say, I'm finished, because he wasn't. He says, it is finished. I mean, what is the it? It's your salvation. It's the plan that he had all along, a plan to provide grace for everyone. He says, it's finished now. God says, here it is. It's free. There isn't anything you can do. I'm just going to give it to you. 
but you have to accept it. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Are that you receive by faith. You receive by faith. Ephesians, Paul writes, he says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not for, from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Faith, faith is the key to Graceland. Faith gives you full access to Graceland. The ability to live in grace. Grace is free, but you have to receive it by faith. You know, if today, and we're just pretending, but if I had $100, and I said, here's a gift for you. Come on up here and get it. You could just sit there, right? But to receive the gift, you would have to come up and receive it. To take it, you would have to have faith that I'm going to give it to you. Because salvation, salvation's a gift. You can't brag about it. Now, I've thought about this. I think heaven would be awful if we were able to work our way to heaven. Because here's what I think would be going on up in heaven. Everyone would be bragging about how they got there. Seriously. It'd be, you know, we'd just be bragging and trying to one-up one another, and we'd have all these great stories about what a great person we were on earth, and that that's what I did to get to heaven. But guess this, it's grace. It's a free gift. Salvation, it's free. Forgiveness, it's free. Heaven, it's free. It's free. So what do you do with a gift? You can't brag about it. You can only accept it, be grateful for it. Paul writes, he says, so the promise is received by faith. It's given as a free gift for everyone. The promise there is salvation. Salvation, it isn't based on my performance. Salvation is based on God's promise. It's not based on, on my goodness. It's based on God's grace. It, I'm not getting to heaven on my merits, I'm getting to heaven based on God's mercy and God's grace. And that's why, ultimately, God gets all the glory. There's nothing I can do. It's a free gift. I receive it in faith. And it's grace. There's all kinds of stories in the, in the Bible. One I, I really like in the Old Testament, uh, 2 Samuel, uh, the ninth chapter, talks, talks about it. But there, it's a story of a little disabled boy. Mephibosheth. And how would you like that for a name? If you're, if you're expecting, you might think about that one. Mephibosheth. What? He was the son of Jonathan. He was the grandson of King Saul. And you might recall, at, early on, Saul was the king. David, God had tapped David on the shoulder and said, you're going to be the king. And Saul knew, knew that, and he became very jealous of David. David and Jonathan, again, that's Saul's son, they were best friends. And there came a point, it was the last time they were together, and Jonathan warned David, he says, my dad's coming after you. He's going to kill you. He's got a plot to take you out. And so as they're talking they make promises to one another. And basically they said, you know, one of us is going to die one of these days. 
And whichever one goes first, the other one take care of the family. And so David takes off, and he's hiding. He hides for years. Over time, Saul and Jonathan both die in battles. Now, move ahead a few years. David becomes a king. All Saul's relatives are scared to death. They're thinking, Saul tried to kill David. We're related to Saul. David's going to kill us. And rightfully, the reason why they feared it was that was the practice in that day. And so the relatives of Saul, they're all running and hiding. They're trying to escape. One of them is Jonathan's son. And Jonathan's son, the nurse grabs him. She's running with him. And she drops him and breaks his legs. They never healed right. Now move forward a little further. One day David's sitting at the table and uh, he remembers his promise to Jonathan. And he asks his servant, he says, is there anyone still alive in Saul's household that I can show kindness to? Grace. Servant does a little research, he comes back and says, yes, David, there is. There's a little boy, he, he's disabled. His name's, Mo, Mo, yeah, I can't even say it right, Mophibosheth. He can't walk. David says, that's okay, bring him to me. Now, can you imagine this boy is being escorted back to the palace He's probably a young man. He's probably thinking, I'm going to be killed. It is all over. But when he arrives, David extends grace. It's recorded. He says, you know, I'm going to take you in. I'm going to make you part of my family. I want you to live in the palace the rest of my life. And I'm going to treat you like you're my own son. That's grace. It's grace. The Bible says God comes when we are broken, when we are unable to deal with life, when everything's falling apart, when we're afraid, and God says, you know what? I want to take you into my family. I'm going to treat you like royalty. I'm going to treat you as though you're my own. Welcome, welcome to Graceland. A, it's a grace that's available to everyone. God doesn't play favorites, regardless of your, of your background, your status, your, your sin. It doesn't matter whether you've been religious your whole life or you've been non-religious. The fact is, it's, it's for everyone. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift for everyone. Romans 10.13 says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No quotas in heaven. It doesn't say only certain nationalities or, you know, good people or really religious people or smart people will be saved. No, it says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who has faith in grace will be saved. It's available to everyone and it comes through Christ. It comes through Christ. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. C is comes through Christ. Why through Jesus? I mean, why, why is Jesus the only way? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Jesus gave admission to Graceland. He already paid for your salvation. He did that by dying on the cross for your sins and mine. No, nobody else has ever done that for us. Grace is free, no doubt, no doubt about it, but it's not cheap. It came with a high price. It cost Jesus everything, it cost him his life. You know, the law tells me when I do wrong, the law screams, you blew it, you messed up. But grace, grace says, I'm the way back. You're forgiven. Let's get you on the right path now. That's how grace works. The law convicts and grace frees you up. Romans 5 says, Many people have received God's gift of life by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ. You know, in the Bible, the favored description for someone who's received God's grace, a favored description for a believer or a Christian is the term in Christ. It's used 120 times in the New Testament. And it refers to someone that has found salvation through grace as being in Christ. When, when I look at, at my life and all the wrong things I've done, things that I have knowingly done that disqualify me, things that have messed up my life, things I'm ashamed of, things that I don't want anybody to know, things that have hurt myself and the people around me. You know, sins I've committed, thoughts I've thought, actions I've taken that have cost and cost dearly. When I look at that mess called my life, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking there is no chance I'm getting into heaven. Not only is my life not perfect, it's just sad sometimes. But the Bible says that Jesus takes this mess called my life and your life with the scars and the tatters and the mistakes and the guilty things and all this stuff. And the Bible says that when we come to Christ and say, you know what, here's my tattered life. It's yours, God. I accept your free gift of grace. I accept what, what Jesus did for me. Here's what God does. God takes your tattered life and he puts it in Christ. And when I'm in Christ, friends, can you see my imperfections? Can you see the things that I'm ashamed of, the things that have messed up my life? No, no, no. You know why? Because when I'm in Christ, you see Christ. When you're in Christ, God looks and he sees his son. He sees perfection. In Christ is the ticket to Graceland. Galatians, Paul writes and says, don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if we could have been saved by keeping the law, see, works there, then there was no need for Christ to die. If you could have saved yourself, 
If you could get to heaven on your own merit, the cross was a waste. Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Now, you are either going to get to heaven in Christ or you're not going. It's that simple. It's in Christ that we go. It's a free gift. You just accept it in faith. You take that step. Grace is what God does for me because of what Jesus Christ did for me. And it comes through Jesus and only Jesus. That's grace, and it's extended through eternity. Scripture says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life. God's grace impacts, get this, not only my past, and I'm thankful for that, but it impacts my present and my future. And not only my future, it, it, it impacts eternity. That's a grace that just keeps on giving and giving and giving and giving. And I know as I say that, for some, you're going, yeah, but Damon, you don't know what I've done. I mean, if I bring this mess called my life to God, it's not going to play well. You know, God's, God's not going to deal well with me. I, I'm going to feel condemned. I'm going to feel judged because I know what I've done. I know how many times I've blown it and messed up. And if that's what you're thinking, I want to tell you you're absolutely wrong. That's what grace is about. That's what grace is about. One of my favorite stories, in fact, I got a, a picture in, in our home of this scene, but it, it's a woman that is found in just moral failure after moral failure. Basically, she slept with just about everybody in town. And she had a reputation that she had actually earned. And one day, the religious leaders, they find her. They catch her with a man in her bedroom. And they drag her out on the street, literally. And they throw her at Jesus' feet. Now, they fully expected Jesus to condemn her. In fact, when they threw her at his feet, they said, what are you going to do about this woman violating God's laws? Should have also drugged the man out there, by the way. But anyway, Jesus defends her. Jesus protected her. And in front of the whole crowd, he says, all right, Anyone without sin, you cast the first stone. It must have went quiet. People stood for a bit, contemplated what he had said, and one by one they dropped their rocks and they walked away until it was just Jesus and this woman. And Jesus looked at this woman. She's full of all this guilt and shame. And he says, where, where are your accusers at? And my guess is she didn't even realize that they were all gone yet. And she finally looks up and looks around. She says, they're all gone, Lord. And Jesus said two very profound things to her. He says, Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. 
That's all Jesus said. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Friends, if you're expecting that when you give your life to Christ, that you're going to be full of guilt and shame, that you're going to experience condemnation, you don't understand grace. Now Isaiah says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. God wants to be gracious. God's nature is to bless people that are not deserving, people that are undeserving in their life. I mean, he's waiting. He's waiting to accept you in his grace. That's what God does. God loves being grace-oriented. God loves for you to live in Graceland. God's amazing grace. You know, I think God regularly just wants to say, welcome to Graceland. Welcome to Graceland. I mean, today we defined grace. And you may be going, okay, this is a lot to get your mind around. But I think it's imperative that we understand, we define grace, because in the next few weeks, what I want to do is show you how grace works in different parts of our lives. Like next week, I want to talk about when the bottom falls out. Anybody had the bottom fall out recently in your life? Because grace can work when the bottom falls out. And I truly believe this, that when you learn to live in Graceland. It makes all the difference in the world. It changes everything. And I mean everything in your life. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God. God, you have loved us so tender. Your love's so sweet and God, sometimes it's hard to even understand how you love us. God, I know there are those here today that are trying to imagine that someone could love them just the way they are. But God, I pray you would press on them that they would know your love, that they would know a brother or sister's love. God, we just thank you for grace, a grace that, God, it makes a difference every day. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. Most of all, we thank you for your grace. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.